The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. Welcome to Season 3 of the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast. Woohoo! We love this book. This is our favorite book of the whole series, I think. Yeah. Mine, mine personally. Mine too. Yeah. Book three, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And also the third season of the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast. Woohoo! Man, we're really doing this, aren't we? <laughs> and thank you all so much for being a part of this journey with us. Yeah, no doubt. This is such a fun book, and we're so thrilled that you're joining us on this magical adventure. Without further ado... Chapter 1, Owlpost. This book starts off stating that Harry Potter was a highly unusual boy in many ways, one being that he hates the summer vacation, and another being that he enjoyed that he had to do homework during his summer vacation. Summer is meant for relaxation, fun, and enjoyment. Can you discuss what's going on with Harry in this moment? First of all, I mean, I do think that there's nothing wrong with enjoying homework. I am, you know. <laughs> okay, I, Hermione. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. I take a lot of pride in associating with Hermione. Hermione is one of my two favorite characters, the other one being Snape, of course. But I think there's nothing wrong with enjoying homework. And I do think that for Harry, who is not necessarily somebody that enjoys homework on a regular day, like when he's at Hogwarts, for example, it says a lot that he would rather do homework than do just about anything else because unfortunately he's prevented from doing anything that would normally bring joy to a boy his age. He's now 13 and is not allowed to do what most 13-year-old kids are excited to do over the summer. He doesn't have friends Unfortunately, his own family is quite awful to him. They don't allow him to socialize with anybody. And he's extremely limited in what he can do. So by doing homework, this is his one connection with his friends and with Hogwarts. I think that he's trying everything he can to feel like he's still a part of Hogwarts even during the summer. And also, he wants to make sure that he does well in Professor Snape's class, not to get in trouble and certainly not to lose any opportunity to be able to attend Hogwarts again, which has become his home. 
Right. The homework that he had to do required he read a chapter from A History of Magic by Bathilda Bagshot. He had to write an essay about why the witch burnings of the 14th century were completely pointless. The book explains that on the rare occasion a witch or wizard was actually caught, burning had absolutely no effects on them whatsoever. They would simply perform a flame-freezing charm and then pretend to shriek in agony as they were actually being tickled. In fact, there was a witch named Wendelin the Weird who enjoyed the sensation so much she was caught no less than 47 times and burned over and over and over again. Well burned with quotation marks (laughs) although this is comical it is an interesting contrast to the actual horror of the witch burning trials back in the day in the real you know world albeit a fun and brilliant take on it it just made me reflect on how humor can put a spin on these historic atrocities that happen what are your thoughts on this yeah i think that's a really valid question Uh, i mean in this book which is meant for children but you know also people of all ages i think that when we're reading about the witch trials we can kind of gloss over this section and you know maybe chuckle but the truth is witch trials were essentially genocide and femicide femicide means murder of women and unfortunately any women that were seen to be as problematic in some way for example women that spoke out against some kind of injustices against misogyny against mistreatment of women are spurned advances from men yes exactly spurned advances from men or women that spoke out against rape women who were healers for example who practiced anything that some people saw as out of the ordinary maybe women that had their own hobbies or their own practices that they enjoyed were seen as other. I think as something a lot of us can relate to, right? Wanting to pave our own way and being seen as other by certain people. And unfortunately, back then, if you were a woman and if you were seen as other, if you were accused of witchcraft, you were most likely killed. And unfortunately, this is not over. Things like that are not behind us. Although witch trials on the surface are highly irregular now, we do see femicide still going on worldwide, where women are killed for being raped, for example. In a number of countries, including our own, sometimes women might be killed after they have been assaulted, essentially for quote-unquote the crime of being assaulted. Sometimes women might be killed for speaking up against intimate partner violence. They might be killed when trying to leave an abusive relationship, when practicing something outside of their family's usual practices. For example, for following a different religion or for coming out as an LGBT person or perhaps as coming out about their true gender identity. And so I do think that this is an important part for all of us to mention because who we are makes us truly magical. And this attack on people for exploration of their inner magic is not over. It's something that's continuing today. And I do want to bring up this point, and I'm glad that you did, Justin, in that we all need to be aware of how these attacks are still happening today and also to support one another and support other people who might be going through these kind of attacks 
to this day. Mm-hmm. I just really thought it was an interesting you know, thought that happened when I was reading it. But that was very insightful. So being that Harry is back with the Dursleys, we can expect to discuss abuse. I mean, it is a very abusive household. This chapter explores a few other types of abuse, isolation and brainwashing. Can you discuss these types of abuse and how it has impacted Harry personally? Absolutely. So in the past few books, we've seen different types of abuse that Harry went through, including physical abuse, including neglect, including starvation, including emotional abuse. And now we are seeing, as you mentioned, isolation where Harry is not allowed to communicate with his friends. When Ron calls, Harry's uncle Vernon picks up the phone and tells Ron that there's nobody by that name and never to call again. Harry's not allowed to use Hedwig to communicate with his friends. He's not allowed to receive owls. He's not really allowed to leave and socialize with anyone. This is a type of abuse. Oftentimes, abusive individuals will prevent the person that they are abusing from socializing with other people. If that's something you've ever experienced, be cautious and maybe see if there are any other abusive patterns that you're experiencing too because nobody should be prevented from communicating with their support group. Harry, in addition, had also been through essentially brainwashing, as you mentioned, where he was lied to his whole life and he was made to believe that his parents were bad, that his parents died in a car crash, that he is bad, that he's a nobody. And this type of manipulation and emotional abuse is extremely harmful and very toxic and could explain why Harry has a hard time controlling his temper, even when he really needs to in order to get what he wants, as we see in the subsequent chapters here. I think that Harry had been through so much that it's understandable that he is as occasionally angry and frustrated as he is. I think any of us would be, and I actually think that he's incredibly resilient at having been through what he's been through and still being able to manage all the kind of monsters and death eaters that he has to face on a regular basis. And as always, the book kind of starts off near Harry's birthday, and he's kind of reflecting on it and looking out his window, and he sees this odd shape, this really dark shape, approaching him through the air. When the shape gets close enough, Harry sees that it is his owl, Hedwig, and another owl, and they're actually holding up a third unconscious owl, (laughs) and it's a very funny image. The owls are bringing Harry birthday cards and presents. These are the first birthday cards he's ever received. How extraordinary is this situation for Harry and why? I think for most children, their birthdays are their one special day of the year where they get to feel extremely loved by everyone. And hopefully it's not the only day of the year where they feel this way. But it's also the time where they get to be acknowledged and loved and supported by everyone, whether it means receiving a birthday card, a birthday present, or a birthday hug, or at the very least, a birthday wish from somebody else. Harry, who is now turning 13 years old, had never previously received anything for his birthday other than perhaps the cake from Hagrid in the first book. And so for him to be able to receive not one, but three birthday cards and presents 
on his actual birthday, I think is incredibly meaningful. And it might be one of the first times in Harry's life when he realizes that he's loved. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's beautiful. The unconscious owl was the Weasley's owl, Errol. Errol had been carrying a parcel that had a newspaper clipping and a letter. The newspaper clipping was a picture of the Weasleys, the whole Weasley family, and they were in Egypt. They had won money from a contest, and Mr. Weasley took his family on holiday to Egypt to visit their oldest son, Bill. Harry thinks that if there is any family out there that deserves to win some money, it is the Weasleys. The Weasleys are very poor, but also they are very rich with family and love. Can you discuss the importance of the Weasleys in this situation? Well, as you mentioned, the the Weasleys are a wonderful family who might not have a lot of resources, are able to love and support one another, and that is the richest family that anyone could have in terms of a family that's full of love and support toward one another. And it's really amazing that with their winnings, they choose to take a trip together. It's such a lovely choice because they choose to spend even more time together. They choose to do something as a family and have a meaningful experience together as opposed to buying materialistic things as perhaps the Malfoy family would have done in this situation. It's really inspiring that they choose to do something to spend more time together. And of course, this becomes the kind of the beginning of this story with the Weasley family picture in the newspaper and a picture of Ron holding his rat scabbers in the very front of the picture. Ron also gave Harry a sneakoscope for his birthday. And a sneakoscope is a type of dark detection device that lights up and spins and whistles if somebody is doing something untrustworthy nearby. He also explains that it might be broken because it kept going off while his family were at the dinner table. You have a great thought as to why the sneakoscope was behaving as though there was untrustworthiness about. Although a huge spoiler for this book, what do you think is going on here? Well, I think the sneakoscope is going off because of Scabbers, because Scabbers is not who we think he is. And this whole book's theme is almost perception. And we'll get into that into the next chapter. At the end of this chapter, while Harry is looking at his birthday cards, he smiles. And I actually want to quote the last line of this chapter. Extremely unusual though he was, at that moment, Harry felt like everyone else. Glad, for the first time in his life, that it was his birthday. This was a huge day for Harry in so many ways. Why do you think? Oh, my heart is just so full for Harry, especially reading that sentence and reading this chapter, because it's such a monumental process in somebody's recovery when they've been through years of abuse to realize that they're loved. And I think that's what's going on here. It's not about the gifts. It's about the thought. It's about the fact that his friends remembered him. His friends who were in Egypt like the Weasleys or in France like Hermione or back at Hogwarts like Hagrid. His friends remembered him and his friends thought of him on his birthday and wanted to to send him something meaningful. And I think that every child and a person of any age really deserves to feel this way to know that people are thinking about them to know that people love them and for somebody that had been through so much 
abuse, mistreatment, and isolation, this is a critical moment in Harry's life. Mm. I love this book, even the way it just starts off. That's actually the end of the chapter, and that is the end of this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Value Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. For all of you out there listening, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag Harry Potter Therapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month. Unfortunately, due to the high postage costs, international listeners who enter and win will receive a PDF copy of the book with a personal thank you from Dr. Scarlett and myself. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay kind and stay magical. Take care.